of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica Sang. And I am Chris Eaton. Jessica, oh, the throes of summer are upon us. We are deep into the convention season. Uh, Anime Expo is this week, along with uh, 4th of July. Are you excited? Yes, I am very excited. I mean, technically people think convention season started in April and May, but Mm, these are like the big ones, because we know what's happening in July. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're we are we are three weeks away from Comic Con. Can you believe that? I know. Yes. And G Fest. And G oh, G Fest. So. We're we're a week away from G Fest. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping maybe next year we at, we can make it out there. Hopefully. Yes, that would be great. The only my the old the issue with G Fest is always it's been they always hold it like a week or two weeks before Comic Con. When it was held here in L.A., like, back in, like, 99, 2000, it was great, because I got one weekend was G-Fest, and the other weekend was Comic-Con. I was, like, in heaven for, like, two years straight. Yeah, and it was kind of a really big move from state to state. Yeah. You know, usually when people move it, it's like, sure, Anaheim to L.A., San Mm -hmm. Francisco to L.A., or maybe Vegas and San Diego or Mm -hmm. something, but it was, like, literally across country. It's, like, more than halfway point. Yeah, because it was in Chicago for a long time. It was in Chicago when it started, and then for like two years, they thought, "Ah, let's come out to LA." There's a lot of stuff coming out to LA. I went both those. I went both of those years. They were fairly awesome years. Um, not to toot my own horn, but uh, my brother and I did win the video contest two years running. Uh, we came in third the first year, and we came in first the second year. So, just a little, little bragging. Just, just. A just a slight brag. That's all. <laughs> but no, no, those those shows always stand out um, mm-hmm. as like memorable moments because that was like in the the peak of my teenage years. I was like six, fifteen, and sixteen when those shows hit. And that first year, which was all the way out in uh, Pasadena at the uh, Marriott out there, that show was awesome. Uh, mostly because I'd never been around so much Godzilla stuff in my life, and uh, it was just like just you know. Just being in mass that many fans, because I didn't know too many Godzilla fans growing up. I, the, the very few I ever did was just like, oh wow, you like Godzilla? It was before the internet, so it was like, if you found someone who's into the same stuff you're into, it was like you guys immediately locked in your trading notes to make sure you guys were all on the up and up on everything. Right. So uh, that first year, it was my mom, bless her, she uh, she dragged me out there because I was just like, I, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. She's like, okay, okay. So we go out there, and you know, she's spends the whole damn day we go out like at 11 o'clock and we're there till 9 o'clock at night because the, the I, I entered my brother and I into the film competition and that didn't start till 9 o'clock so we had to wait and see and uh, you know th- thankfully we won you know because it was just like that really made up <laughs> made up for, my mom's like oh you guys won so I'm glad we stayed but that was, yeah so that but that year though because that 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 same day they announced that they were going to premiere Gamera 3, 
at the Egyptian up in Hollywood. So I yeah. asked my mom, I was like, how, how far is Hollywood? Because I still didn't have the geography of L.A. down. Like, uh, very rarely did my, my mom or dad ever bring me out to, like, Hollywood proper. Like, I, they took us out to other places, but, like, never really Hollywood. So, um, like, that was, like, my first, like, exposure to Hollywood. I know it's at 16, but it was, like, my first, or 15, it was my first real exposure to, like, what Hollywood really was. It was that, you know, before then it was, like, I, it was just the sign I saw on the freeway as we passed by going into the valley or something like that. So she's like, oh, it's out here. I'm like, can we go? Can we go? I was like, I don't want to sit through a Japanese movie, but I, I, we can, I, I'll bring your grandmother and we'll make a day out of it. I'm like, all right, awesome. So we bought tickets. She dropped a 15-year-old Chris off to be in line with a bunch of strangers in on Hollywood Boulevard in the middle of a, on a Sunday in the middle of the day so we can saunter in. And uh, she's like, and this is, she, she had a cell phone. I broke it the night before because I accidentally dipped it into a couple of water she had there. So we had no way of communicating. So it was like a hard in, hard out. She's like, I'm dropping you off. Uh, what time does this thing get out? I'm like, it's like two and a half hours. She's like, okay, so it's 12 o'clock now. Starts at one. I'll be here at, let's see, two, one, two, three. I'll be here at 3.30 on the dot. So be out here. I'm like, okay. And if I wasn't there at 3.30, she was going to come in and make a scene. So... But Did you make it? Did you make it, it out? Oh, yeah, I made it out. But I made it in. That was the thing I was worried about. I was just like, I, I, they're not overselling this thing. Are they like, and the guy next to me, he's like, dude, this, this, have you ever been in this theater? I'm like, no. It's like, oh, this theater's huge. That's where I fell in love with the Egyptian theater was that screening. Like, I'd never been to, like, a big theater with a balcony or anything like that before, even though I've grown up here in, in California. But that was, like, my first exposure. That It really helped me fall in love with, like, Hollywood in general, just, like, the general area. <clears throat> and uh, that screening. Is amongst one of the greatest moments of my life. Because A, it turned out to be just completely awesome because it's Gamma 3. If you haven't seen Gamma 3, I, why are you even listening to this podcast in the first place? I'm, that, that's a shame. That's not go out and do it. That's just shaming right there. <clears throat> Second, seeing that movie blown up like on that massive you know screen with the sound system and just the awesome moments in it, just the reaction that people got, like the the scene, the the initial attack, uh, I think it was on, uh, oh, I forgot the city it was off the top of my head, but when he's fighting the Gauss, and Gamera's, mm-hmm. Gamera's no longer connected to uh, to the girl, and so he's just going for broke and just beating the crap out of the Gauss, and just that, that scene when uh, he f- shoots the fireball, like, down on, like, the Gauss with the eye hanging out, and it just triggers that reaction, you just see bodies flying everywhere, people were losing their minds and 15 year old me was just like like oh my god this is great the sequence when iris starts flying for the first time comes over the moon that was awesome the thing that that got everyone and i'm shocked that it took forever for any of the anybody that ever did gamma to do this move was when gamma and iris were were fighting for the first time in midair and Gamera shows up, and he's in his, like, flight mode. He's got his wings out. He's got his little hands out, like, in the fins, like, to, to fly. And the planes are, like, the fighter jets are, are, like, intermixing in it. And they're just following along as Gamera and Iris are coming in out of the clouds. And Iris is blasting the crap out of Gamera. And Gamera bites into Iris, and you're just like, oh, my God, this is great. Like, the effects were awesome at the time. Which I still say the effects for that film hold up immensely, the, the CG effects. But it was the scene when when Gamera's getting just getting worked by the lasers. So he 
verts into a shell and starts doing the spin attack on Iris and just starts whooping on him. And every people were getting up and clapping. It was. <laughs> I have no other way to really explain, it, but that 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 movie got a standing ovation for like five minutes. Like the, the director uh, Sasuke Kenko came out, like he was talking, he he whispered. I forgot who was moderating the sh- the show. It's been so long. But he was whispering, and the guy's like, "Oh, really?" So things sat down. He and uh, the 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 guy was just like, "Mr. Kanako said something to me. It was interesting. He's like, he's never heard a reaction for one of his films like that. He's just like in Japan, everyone's very respectful. You know, they clap, but they don't hoot and holler like we do here in America when they see something they like. So he's just like, he's blown away right now. People, just just give him a hand, give him a hand. So." I, I was looking at my watch and it was just like, oh wow, I got like 20 minutes. They're gonna do a whole Q and A and everything like that. Thankfully, they were on like they were on a hard out too, so I got to run up, meet the director, have him sign something, and then I had to run right back out. The second I walked out, my mom's there waiting. She's like, oh wow, we just pulled up. I'm like, yeah, perfect, let's go. I was on a high for weeks, like going into comic Comic Con really couldn't even keep up with with the high I had from that 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 first G Fest. Oh my goodness! You mm-hmm. described that like like it wasn't even almost fifteen years ago. Nope, nope. That's the thing but that it that holds very high for me. The second G Fest was really good too, but something about that first one was just magical. So I, I know it's a lot. It's like that for a lot of people to go, but that 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 first one in in Burbank was just, just I don't know. Just it'll go down as a highlight. One of the highlights of my life. Like I I could discover like a like a brand new element or you know. Slave like the first dragon that ever found in in you know history. I'm just like, yeah, where's that rack in your life? It's like four, five greatest moments. What's that behind? Uh, my first G Fest. It's like okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, was your mother proud that you and your brother won the video contest, or was she more like, that's nice, but it's no Steven Spielberg award? No, no, she was actually very joyous because my grandfather bought a little like uh, handy cam for us, like a little Aww. Sony VHS. So we were, my brother was super into uh, claymation at the time, so we uh, we mapped yeah, out a movie. Claymation's awesome. Yeah, so we mapped out a movie. It was Gamma versus Godzilla, and it was my grandfather built a little. I'm like, we need, we need a, we need a, a boxing ring or wrestling ring. So, because we were coming up with like gags and stuff to do it, so my brother made little super deformed Godzilla, little super deformed Gamera out of like a really crude armature he had built. And mind you, because I was he was 14 at the time, so he's just and there, again no internet. He's going off a book he had gotten at a bookstore, and he's just kind of like trying to recreate everything. And uh, we were like doing very crude animation because uh, the the unfortunate thing with those cameras is the fact that you don't get a perfect start and stop. Um, with him, so the the effects got crude sometimes, and I really couldn't. I didn't have no real way of editing it, and I had to edit. I had to film live action stuff with my brother and my cousin being commentators, and then dub over that. Everything was done like in like like in camera edit. So like if I did that again today, like I would go nuts. Like I have Sony <laughs> Vegas sitting in front of me now, and I was just like, oh god, I could throw all this together in like in like two two bits. You know what it does? It does make me wistful for getting back behind the camera again. Like that, my whole like teenage years was like spent screwing around with that camera, and it kind of fell off when I had to get a job. So I, I, I might have to, I might have to revisit that, Jessica. I might have to revisit that. I think you should. It's reigniting a passion and love that you never know where it might take you in the future, or perhaps even to a career. Hopefully, if, you know. But I, I know the high stakes world of Costco is 
very thrilling to many people, but you know, some days it, it can get a little can get a little dull. So maybe maybe filming is where I should go. But enough of me. Enough of me <laughs> me uh, talking about me. Uh, how are you doing, Jessica? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I'm really really excited because I know that it came, I wouldn't say it came out of the blue, but, I mean, we got hints of it mm -hmm. when Del Toro was with Zach Penn doing a Pacific Rim 2 script. Mm -hmm. That's what I was really excited about. So when you were like, how are you doing? I was like, I'm still elated on Cloud Nine <laughs> from the news. But, no, it's because weeks ago they did it. But, you mm -hmm. know, one of the key words is everybody was like, oh, no, it's confirmed, it's mm -hmm. been greenlit. Yeah. If you read the article, he had said that he was writing it mm -hmm. as if they he's were going, going to be green, greenlit. Yeah. And what I liked about that is he has a certain confidence or hope mm -hmm. that he goes ahead with Zach Penn to do this because there is a chance that Legendary's like, nope, uh-uh. Yeah. You know, and if, you know, people might say, oh, that's just a waste of his time, but, you know, even an experienced director, practice mm -hmm. is still practice. Oh. He still hopes to produce something that he loves and then... Weeks later, we got the news that it was actually greenlit mm -hmm. so, by Legendary. But also, as you know, we talked about this um, actually, you know, before the podcast. There's also an animated series and a continuation mm -hmm. of the graphic novel. So, well, let's... So, let, let, you know, let, it's, it's a three in one. No video game. I had yeah. a friend ask me, what about video game? And I was like, oh, you know, I don't... You know, they didn't announce that. Also, I don't know how difficult it would be to do a continuation of just Jaegers and beating Kaiju. Yeah, you so, you know, it. three out of four is pretty good. Yeah. So let's. Other than well, let's let's break good. let's break down how everything went down. So, as you said, like we discussed on the last podcast uh, when we talked about uh, Del Toro working with uh, Zach Penn. Because um, in light of news in the last twenty four hours, too. Uh, <laughs> which I'll get into in a second, uh, someone else might be coming back on board. So Del Toro and Zach Penn were working on a story idea that he and Travis Beecham had come up with, so they're writing the script. And they're, you know, they've in all the interviews they talk about, it's like, well, we're doing it based on, you know, we might get the green light, you know, going to my Del Toro impersonation again. I can't help it. I was going to say, did I hear a slight accent start? I, I, just, <laughs> I can't help it. The guy's just so infectious. Just he's the first like big name director after Kevin Smith I met, and he just left such a mark on me. I was just like I, I just just want to give him a hug every time I see him. Uh, he's just so full of enthusiasm. I just I can't help myself. So he's uh he, he as he talked about it, he's like yeah yeah we're we might do all these you know d d d you know big monsters and, and stuff again. We got we have ideas about doing the Jaeger Kaiju and stuff like that. So they were talking about it like you know. It may or may not happen. It seemed like what, what he was hinting at was like Legendary was really high on the property still. Like like it seems like Thomas Tull has like a love for, for this stuff. I, I he obviously has a love for giant monsters. Because at one point they had like five giant monster projects going. They were gonna get um I think Ivan Reitman to do a giant sea monster movie called Here They Be Monsters. Which was mm -hmm. like which was like a take on Moby Dick but instead of, of a giant whale, it was an actual, like, Godzilla-sized sea serpent that a bunch of, like, 18th century whaler, or, like, an 18th century, like, uh, like British Armada ship was going to go up against. So I'm just like... Man, that would be amazing. Consider be. the fact that I have never made it through Moby Dick past Chapter 2. 
I've seen the movies, and that's about as far as I'll go. I can't. I'm sorry. Look, I I'm all about reading, but there's certain things in like classic literature that's just like unless you're like a complete book nut, like it just it's it's boring. I I hate I hate The Great Gatsby as a, as a book. I loathe that book, and it's just because it's just so it's so derivative. Really, it's yeah. not that bad. Oh, it's terrible. And, you know, ironic. You know, what was really I a book in. I, I'm, we're, we're, well, actually, this kind of fits with that. A book in high school that we're, I was looking forward to reading so much because my, my teacher gave us the books we're going to read for the whole year. And after uh, Gatsby was done, we're like, we're going to do Frankenstein next. I'm like, yes, finally something in my wheelhouse. Like, I am going to crush, oh, no. crush the hell out of Frankenstein. Like, I love me, my monsters. And I'm like, I'm going to do a book report on Frankenstein Conquers the World. I'm going to work all this crap. And she's, she's like, I want you to get creative, make your own Frankenstein story. I'm like, oh, I got stories. And it, I dragged. I dragged so hard trying to finish that book. I'm just like, there's like... And mind you, this was at the at a time I was reading like four books a month. Like I was reading in other classes. I had books. I was going like I was reading I Am Legend and stuff like that. I was I was eating that stuff up. But Frankenstein was just for some reason it was like a grind to read. I don't know why, but it, it just, I just had issue after issue. Was just I'm just like this is boring. I was falling asleep reading it. I I couldn't do it. I I didn't even bother finish it. I just BS my my way through the report. I ended up getting like a like a C plus. I'm just like, eh, that's fine. They're like. Because she's like, well, we're doing Beowulf next. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I'll, I'll be fine after that. Because Beowulf, I had read like 19 times, so I was good. Like, I, I literally, I slept through the the classroom read of Beowulf. I got called out twice, like eating. I'm like, what? What? It's like, were you asleep? I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like, pay attention. It's like, I've read this book like 19 times. Where are you at? They're like, we're at first. I and I rattled off the verse. It's like, oh. Uh, I guess go back to whatever you're doing. I'm like, I'll have the book report next week. Don't worry. <laughs> back to sleep. Did then, you do Dracula then? We didn't or do Dra- Heart of Darkness. We didn't do Dracula. We didn't do Heart of Darkness. Because oh, after was. after Beowulf, then we did the, the the finishing book of the year was Martian Chronicles. Okay. Actually, yeah, it was Martian Chronicles for that year. So. We uh, we wrapped up with Martian Chronicles. and Martian Chronicles like the first two chapters I was like eh but the rest of the book I f- I like I finished in like two days like I I finished the rest of that book when I was in line ironic <laughs> it it, okay this the whole the whole whole thing came back a full circle so I went I went to the Los Angeles science fiction and comic book show in, in mm-hmm. at the shrine down in uh right by, by right. USC. Three people were going to be there that day, uh, or three movies were going to be there promoting: A-Legged Freaks, Blade Two, and Spider-Man. And guess who was going to be there? Well, Raimi. Raimi was there. He was the main reason I was showing up because they had a big picture. It's like Sam Raimi making a rare public appearance and signing. I'm Del like, Toro. Del Toro. Right? Del Toro was there underneath it, and it was the director of Blade 2. Now, I really hadn't known, like, I knew the guy's name, but I hadn't known much past, except what Annie Cool had been harping about the guy. So, after the A-Legged Freaks pan, well, I got there at 5.30 in the morning. I was already... Jesus moly! (laughs) From Orange County. I was already 15th in line when I got there, too. 15th. So, I brought, uh, um, I brought, uh, Martian Chronicles with me, 
I was on chapter three. By the time they opened the show at eleven o'clock, I had finished the book. Like it was done. I like I went right through it. Like Usher Two was like my favorite chapter because it was a dude that, that builds a house of horrors against like the 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 communist regime of Mars and just kills all these like these like uh like uh uptight like uh, fools like in really like ghastly Edgar or um, Edgar Allan Poe ways like like blades and stuff like that but that was the book I've read the day I met Guillermo del Toro for the first time when he came out for Blade and just you know just talked and like won everyone in that crowd over he's just like oh you know we do vampires I'm going to do Hellboy that's when he announced he was going to do Hellboy next I'm just like oh my god I gotta see more of what this guy has to offer so but yeah it all comes to a circle so del Toro back, back, back to Pacific Rim 2 so Del Toro's talking like the the movie's going to happen, but we're all skeptic because hey, the movie did okay business. It didn't do great. It didn't set the world on fire. And we Also it's Hollywood. And now, their word their word means crap. Yes, exactly. But the movie did do gangbusters in China. China loves yes. giant monsters and giant robots. They can't get enough of it. They love it. They they they've enjoyed Godzilla thoroughly and they're eating Transformers up with like a big sugary spoon right now. So, <clears throat> Q, this time, or actually no, a week, about almost a week ago now. Like, it seems like, what, last Wednesday or Thursday? It was last Thursday, wasn't it? Thursday. Thursday. Because yes. I was coming off major dental surgery, and I'm yes. just like, I, I, I flip open Twitter, and all of a sudden I see this, and I'm like, what, this can't be, oh my god, I'm texting you, I'm like, Jessica, Jessica, it's real, it's happening. So yes, I, I get texts from Chris Eaton, and he's like, "We got to record the podcast now." Granted, I was coming off the world's worst migraine, but mm-hmm. also I was like, "There's no way this guy's going to make it through this podcast because he is so so high on whatever he's I taking was, right now. He needs to sleep." Yes, I was. I had. I was running off three hours of sleep because of the immense pain from my broken tooth the night before. And now I'm high on uh, Norco for the pain for the major dental work that they did to repair said said broken tooth. And my mouth is swollen to the point I look like I've had a stroke. And I'm talking out of the side of it like I got Bell's palsy. So Jessica with a cooler head is like, let's wait until you can talk and you you're not in you're not doped up and then we'll do it. I'm like, okay. So here we are now. Because I didn't believe it at first. There's, it was like from BuzzFeed. I'm like, BuzzFeed? What are they doing? And then all of a sudden I saw the legendary, you know, source. Yes. I'm like, oh, oh, what? Yes. And then you scroll down. And Del down. himself made a video. The video is what sealed the deal. And I was just like, oh, my God. So, yes, part two. And BuzzFeed. Then, yeah. I was just like, BuzzFeed? They're like, no, this is, this is, this can't be right. And it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's real. The don't, like, I was rubbing my eyes. It was just like, am I high? How high am I right now? This, this can't be real. So, Del Toro comes on. It's like, we're doing Pacific Rim 2. It comes out April 7th, 2017. So I'm like, three years. Okay, that seems about right. They're going to have to turn around and everything. So I'm like, well, sh- well damn. Well, this goes against everything I was expecting for this film. If they did a sequel, I didn't think he would be coming back at all. I thought he would just be like in a production, you know, be a producer or something. I didn't think the movie was ever going to happen. I thought there was like just a long shot outside chance. It was, I think, maybe based on what Godzilla would have done would help this movie. So Godzilla apparently did well enough. But when I was reading into it, though, because like Deadline, I think, did a a follow-up write-up on it. 
apparently how everything went down was the fact that uh, okay so uh, Godzilla did pretty well but apparently Warner Brothers almost like six months ago said no to Pacific Rim 2 like no yeah. we're done mm-hmm. we're, the, the, this one did not do that well so went all the way back to uh, to um, Legendary Legendary was now the sole you know proprietor of the film like Warner Brothers still holds the film as their release so it's in their archives but the property is now with Legendary Lock, Stock and Barrel because Warner yeah, Brothers did and pass. I don't know how much longer Legendary will be with Warner they're, Brothers they're done they are they're done, done. am I correct yes yeah. they're, they're yeah, only they're, they're fulfilling contractual agreements like Godzilla was one of the films they have to they they're releasing because I think uh, Warner Brothers put up more money for Godzilla than Legendary did, so that's why that's why Godzilla's kind of staying at Warner Brothers. Like it's a continued production with those two companies because of like a contract write up before Legendary decided to break away and go to Universal. But it was Universal right. that that came, I guess, agreed to Legendary's like, hey, we want to make more Pacific Rims. What do you say? They're like. Yeah, we say yeah. Let's get into this. Let's get into the business of giant robots and monsters because they want. It seems like they want a little bit of that robot money that Paramount's making right now, with uh, with Transformers. And they see that the toys are selling well, the DVD sales did well, but the international sales are great. They don't really have too many franchises. They got like Despicable Me, and they got Fast and Furious, and that's about it right now. But that's it. They got another Jurassic Park that's coming out. The Legendary's apparently having a hand helping like. Pro- produce along but they don't have like a the, their, their hands aren't really in it that deep so Universal much like they saved Hellboy from uh, Sony they're saving Pacific Rim from Warner Brothers and they've agreed to a and it a it's in a better it's a better release date so April 7th 2017 it, it's there's no like summer competition it's in the middle like that sweet spot of March but right before May and you know it'll do well enough to where if they moderate the budget enough, it'll make money. It'll make a lot. Of, Captain America sh- has shown that you can make a a a crap ton of money in, in the month of April now. So yes, and it's a wonderful time of spring break mm-hmm. for many students, and they'll just go out and spend money. Exactly. But what was announced along with it was something I had just like. I had wispily dreamed of. I'm like, they'll never. If they're smart, they'll do it. But they'll never do it. They're doing it. They're making a animated series, Jessica. An animated yes, series. Yes, I know. I'm actually much more excited for the animated <laughs> series than the graphic novel. But so, animated series, yes. yes. So when he said that, and he said it's kind of like, yeah, we're doing the animated series too. It's going to be about the early years, so it's a prequel series, which was even like, oh my god, this is, this is. Amazing. So, I'm, ho- I'm here's what I'm hoping. So we get three years, because Del Toro's got to finish up his his new haunted house movie, which he's doing with Legendary. That doesn't come out till next year, so 2015. So once that movie's done promoting, then he'll get to work fully on Pacific Rim 2. And mind you, he started filming Pacific Rim 1 in November of 11. It didn't come out till the summer of of 13. So. There was some time, and he's very particular. So I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff like already set up, but it sounds from what it sounds like that they're creating like an even bigger world out of the last movie. And he was real, not not to deviate from the animated series, but to deviate from the animated series for a minute. 
he was real cryptic with he said all your favorite characters are coming back but the way he made it sound like they're not going to be the focal point of this new story so like Mako and, and Raleigh or probably are going to be in it but they probably won't be front and center like they'll they might be like the stacker and uh and and um and Hercules like characters now like they'll be like the support Right, right. And I realize that they're very big, not so much on the sequel, but on the graphic novel animated series, they're very big on prequel. Yes. Well, there's a ton of story that they, 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 that they have alluded to that they can now cover. Um, there's, I mean, like, remember we were talking, back when we were reviewing the Blu-ray, and we were talking about, it's like, uh, we, gotta, we, gotta re- we have to review the novelization one day, because there was, like, a ton of, like, tidbits that they left out of the movie that they put in the novelization. Which were all based, I guess, on one of the drafts of the screenplays. So they can do, uh, I mean, just Stacker's early days as a Jaeger pilot alone, because you know they give you the tally of like each, you know, uh, of each Jaeger. Like some Jaegers had like eight, nine kills. It's like you can do whole seasons just based on those battles alone. You could show the early days of the Beckett brothers. You can show, like, they could put like like the Jaegers we didn't see like Tactic Ronin or Romeo Blue into like the limelight and get to know those pilots like all the like the early like kaiju attacks and stuff like that and because it's Dan it, I hope I mean I don't know are you do you agree that do you think it should be done in a uh, anime style or do you think it should they should try to do something like maybe s- something a little more unique I, I, I don't know I would something think something more unique I not quite I would say not quite Tron Uprising, mm-hmm. but not quite like, you know, Attack on Titan. Yeah. So, I mean, just because it is a very Japanese homage movie mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to go full anime. Would you say something like maybe, so, would you say something maybe like Avatar, which is not an anime I at all? I would say Avatar-ish or kind of like a Batman Beyond. There you go. Not Samurai Jack, which yeah. is a great show, you guys. But it's a, that's a little too squarish, mm. sharpened angles. Well, that's that's going to be Tartakovsky's own. So you know, you want to make something that is meant for children, but is also gr- gravitates toward adults. Yeah. You know, and it's not like offensive to the eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's how I imagine it. And actually, if you Google image um, Pacific Rim animated series. There are people out there who have made fandom art mm-hmm. who are great. They're actual artists. They're mm-hmm. actual artists, graphic designers. And some of their designs, everything looks amazing and great. And it's closer to, um, like, Superman, Batman, the animated series uh, than so it is to anything. It's not quite, like, straight-up anime, like I said, Attack on Titan, Kill a Kill, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, kind of like a Bruce Timm-ish style, a little more like that. Yeah, you know, and if you guys do that, I think that would be a good, because, yes, this is a huge homage to, you know, the Japanese genre, and people mm-hmm. in China love it, and all this other stuff, but it's still primarily an American-made film. Yeah. With a Mexican director, but an American-made <laughs> film with, obviously, their actors are from all, you've got, you know, a you know, black British man, mm. you've got Australians, you've Got, you got a Hispanic you know, man with a Chinese name. You know, Japanese, you've got, yeah, you've got all kinds. You've got Charlie Day, you've got another white British guy, mm. you know, so you have all these different characters, but it's still legendary, it's still an American corporation, an American business. So, you know, production companies, so therefore I still see it geared 
maybe like 60-70% westernized style yeah. and then kind of like a unique maybe this is a good time to come up with a unique kind of art style because you've got the Bruce Tim universe Yeah, everyone knows what the Bruce Tim looks like everyone knows what Avatar we all know what the My Little Ponies look like mm -hmm. the Sailor Moons maybe this is the time that another artist kind of rises you know and just comes and kind of does you know their own thing I, I you know and of course everyone knows the disney style mm -hmm. the bigger eyes yeah. you know you know with the smaller nose and but this is the time to do kind of something like this and i think it's time for like a unique animation still but a unique art form a different type of art style i would i i haven't i to the studio i would love to see tackle this because i love their work like immensely like uh, there's some my like some of my favorite just like animation out there right now. There's a studio called Titmouse. They do the I was going to say is it Titmouse animation? Yeah. Yes. I love Tim. I bought one of their books uh that they did like they they let some of their creators just do cart uh comic books in it. Some of the art mm -hmm. styles in there are amazing. Like if you look at there's a um I'll put it in the show notes. There's a um like a best of Titmouse 2014 and it shows you all the stuff they worked on past and present. So, you know, they've they've done Metalocalypse they do the, the animation for Venture Brothers. They had a show on um, Disney Channel that they, that was their first in-house, like something they created themselves that they owned. It was uh, what was it Turbo something? It was a like it, or Mega Mega City. Hold on, let me, let me look at. It. But it was um, it was a show about um, like uh, like cars in in the, like a futuristic Detroit that uh, I'm looking at right here. Oh, they also do Black Dynamite 2 for uh, for Adult Swim. Motor City. That was the name of it. And if you if you go look up uh, Motor City, like just the animation of it, it, it would translate beautifully to like Pacific Rim. And the, beauty of, the thing I really like about uh, Titmouse is that they uh, like they would animate the Jaegers. They would do traditional animation for like the Jaegers. Uh, the thing that I don't care for like in modern animation, especially like a lot of, with, with a lot of what uh, Japanese animation has been doing, is CG and like a lot of the uh, robotic elements of, of you know of cartoons. Like uh, I believe uh, Blue Sub Number Six started doing that, and it doesn't, it never fits right. Like uh, the last Apple, the last couple Apple C movies did that too. It never looks like when you're mixing. CG or mixing traditional like kind of hand drawn with CG, it never looks right, and it, I don't want to see like kind of stiff CG done with the Jaegers. I would like to see a, a fluid hand animation done. That that that's just you know the an, the animation that of me kind of talking, but if they do if they do do all that way, it, it would be perfect. And I think Tim has to be the perfect uh, studio for them. Again, just wishful fan thinking. I'm I'm pretty sure uh, they you know. Legendary is looking at people right now. They might get someone in house to do it. I mean, they might, you know, they might go to Japan. They might go to like someone like Madhouse or, or uh, another like company out there to animate it. Who knows? I guess. Hopefully, we might hear something at Comic Con. Hopefully, because I would assume that they would at least have the animation animated series out before the movie, so like the next year or two. Which right. Which brings up, um. We talked about Zach Penn coming in to uh, write the screenplay with uh, Guillermo del Toro on the last show. There's a reason, because Travis Beecham was off uh, doing a new show called Hieroglyph. 
Sadly, in the last 24 hours, that is no longer the case. Uh, did, I, I'm pretty sure you heard about this, right, Jessica? Yes, I have. So, yeah. Fox, the, the, the joke is that it's like if something's cool and it's on Fox, it gets canceled. Firefly, Terminator, you know, all that. Futurama, look at all that stuff. It, they, they've been chasing what I've been calling the uh, X-Files dragon for a long time. They... They always green light like these really kind of high concept cool shows and they cancel them within like the first season. Like I'm shocked that Dollhouse made it as far as it did. You know what? Now we're just going to have to hold out hope for Gotham. Gotham I think because it's more of a cop procedural, it might it might last but they yeah. they but everyone yeah. throws cop procedurals at the at, you know at the wall and just see what sticks. But they're all kind of you the know, same in the, in the end. I mean, this the only thing this has going for it is like it's based in the world of Batman. So, yes, yes, and you know what? I think one of the things with hieroglyphs is when I had posted that picture on my Facebook, mm-hmm. every comment I asked is, "Where are the actual Egyptians?" Mm-hmm. And I think the whole racial controversy. It's kind of what started Fox to be like, we're not going down that rabbit hole. It's time to cut this cord when it starts. Um, Not saying that there are no Egyptians on the show mm -hmm. or people of Egyptian descent, but people are becoming more and more sensitive to like, you know, for example, certain shows should have, if if it's a show that takes place in India, Mm -hmm. in the 17th or like, let's say 14th century Mm -hmm. or before or maybe before Christ, let's go. Why are there Caucasian people there? Why are they speaking in a British accent? Just the small things, even down to, let's say, 47 Ronin. Mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves is in it. He plays a half-Japanese, half-Caucasian man. Or any show like that, people are becoming more and more racially aware and sensitive of these things. Mm -hmm. So when I had posted that, I mean, the comments I got were LOL, facepalm, and, you know, some were more upset than others. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Fox... Networks like that have little tentacles out everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they caught wind and was like, so are there any actual Egyptians, you know, of, of Egyptian ethnicity or descent mm-hmm. on this show? Because there are plenty of other great actors, I'm sure, that speak perfect English yeah. that are somewhere here in America that would love to be actors and actresses or haven't been discovered yet, mm-hmm. you know, are trying and they would love to be on a show like this. Yeah. And I think, in a way, Fox, you know, and all this is speculation, I'm sure Fox was like, mm-mm, cut this cord before. Also, Fox gets enough controversy that, like, they don't need any more. Nah, well, actually, they, <laughs> so. they, do, they do court. They do court what they bring. But not to play angry, not, not, not to play, you know, uh, play down that card, because, you know, there could be that. But, uh, you know... The man part of you know, me being a you know a white man you know automatically I get the the, <laughs> the 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 white devil the white devil horns are already on my already on my head every time I go out in public so but to play that uh, play that up it's like yeah that that could be it or it could be the fact that this was this this plays up as a uh, more of like a regime change because that's what's coming out right now um, and these things happen actually. Something like this happened to uh, Ryui Kitamura when uh, he made his American movie debut with uh, The Midnight Me Train, which was a movie that 
was based around a Clive Barker um, short story, and starred Bradley Cooper. It was one of Bradley Cooper's first movies he did, like like his starring role movie. And uh, that movie was Lionsgate was going to release it. Like Clive Barker was huge, and he's like, "Oh my God, someone's finally, you know, besides me, has done one of my works uh, like beautifully. I love it. This movie's going to be great. Everyone's going to love it. When it comes out." And then there was a regime change at Lionsgate, and in Hollywood, when you have a regime change, the new regime tends to be like, "Okay, let's toss out everything that the old regime did and start over fresh." So I want yeah, my, sometimes I, that happens. I yeah. want to put my stamp on it. And there are casualties of said things. And Midnight Me Train got pushed back and then pushed back. And everyone's like, well, what's going on with this? And they're like, well, we're, 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 we're working on something. So no trailer, no nothing. And then all of a sudden, it got released to second-run movie theaters. Not first, second-run. Like, they just put it out there. And all of a sudden, it was like, hey, Midnight Me Train comes out this week. But... You gotta go see it. At a, it's a first-run movie at a second-run movie theater. It was like the weirdest thing in the world. I actually tracked it down, went and watched it because I love Kit Murray's films, and it was just really weird. Seems like it at the time it was you know I, there was movies playing next to it that had been out for like six, seven months. It was like a dollar fifty. I paid to go see this film. I was just like, this is like just a surreal experience in its own way. I don't, I just don't know how to like really grasp, you know, seeing a, like a movie that's brand new in like a second run theater like this. But it seems like that's what happened with Hieroglyph. It was the fact that the, because the, the original series, the the original head of, uh, of Fox Television loved the concept enough that he's just like, forget the pilot. We're going right to series. This is going to be great. So they ordered right, it. Right, to 2014, 2015 series. Yes. Yeah. So they ordered it. They gave it a uh, they filmed the pilot and then they start shooting the rest of the, the show because they're like, you have 13 episodes. Go ahead. Go go right and film them. And the new head came in was looking at it. It's like, oh, this is kind of an expensive show. Yeah. How far into it? I think they got like four or five episodes in and they're like, yeah, we're pulling the plug. So they promoted it. They, they, they did all this stuff like coming next year, Hieroglyph. It was going to be like they're it was like they were going to do Sleepy Hollow and then it was going to take over Sleepy Hollow's slot in the spring. And everyone, it just, it's like, nope, not happening now. And now the fact that I think Fox, since they own the show, it's never even going to see the light of day unless someone smuggles it out of there, which always blows my mind whenever they, whenever, you know, pilots are ordered, they spend all this money and half the stuff never sees the light of day. And they make sure it never sees the light of day. Like, there's stuff you have, this is stuff you have to go find on torrents or Someone has to smuggle out so you can see it. It's always heartbreaking because there's a lot of times some like really good stuff gets out there. Um, that that that's at least the beauty with uh, like how Amazon does their stuff now. They at right. least they at least ordered pilots. They're like, go make it. We're not giving you any show notes whatsoever. Just make what you want to make. Give us like an outline of what you want to do. And what they'll do is they'll they'll pay for that the pilots made, and then they'll put them up online, and then they let shockingly. I know this is a practice that that no one's ever heard of. They let the people who are going to watch the shows decide what they're going to watch. So they gauge the reactions of the pilots by the people who watch them, and then the ones that did the best are like, okay, we are going to go with these, and the rest of these, sorry, you guys didn't make the cut because people did not seem to... The feedback we got, people didn't care for your stuff. So we're moving on with, with, with what got the best, uh, you know, general rea- you know return on it, which... I I know crazy sounds sounds insane. Well, why wouldn't you know you let people let decide you know what to watch? But 
it is what it is. So, fortunately, Travis Beecham, who looked like he might have had a career in television coming up, has been has had the rug pulled under him. So perhaps the Pacific Rim 2 news came at the best time possible, because now he can jump back on board with that. If anything, he can dive headfirst into the animated series. He could be, like, the showrunner for that. He could do all kinds of stuff. So it might be good to have the guy that created the entire universe come back into the fold full-time. So perhaps, you know, his... His really back... It was a backstab, the way that they canceled that show, too. It was, right, right. I don't know. You, you've watched Futurama, haven't you? I have. Oh, I love Futurama. It's okay. one of my favorite animated shows. Did you ever see the episode where they go to Comic-Con? Yeah. <laughs> so you know where I'm going. So pretty much this, the joke they made was when they're, yeah. they're doing the... It was Matt Graney and David X. Cohen, and they're the heads in the jar. And they're talking about... It's like, well, we're here to debut our new show, Futurella. It takes place in the year 4000. So... They're like the screens go down and all the cell phones come up and the 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 show starts it's the Futurama opening it says you hear the theme song all of a sudden you just see bam cancelled and cut right back to grain it's like wow Fox has really streamlined the process. It's so many yeah. so many comments of those that on uh, yesterday for when that news hit it was just life imitating art. So sad. It is. It very much is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think Travis, you know, had really, really great ideas. I think Del Toro definitely mm-hmm. molded it and kind of put his Del Toro touch on it. Yeah. You know, and I would be interested to see, you know, not only him show run the animated series, but even putting even more ideas of their entire universe, their Bible, mm-hmm. you know, into uh, the graphic novel, which they're going to continue. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, did really well, actually, several. Usually when a graphic novel comes with a movie, no one knows the graphic novel exists. Mm -hmm. It's just how it is. But I know so many people who not only bought the art of Pacific Rim, Mm -hmm. but also they bought the graphic novel. Mm -hmm. They actually knew about the graphic novel. And Legendary produces other graphic novels. Yeah, they got their own comic label. But people, they have their own comic label. But yet, people know about this one. Mm Mm-hmm. So people wanted to read it, and I really, really liked that. I like how the announcement was threefold. Granted, I still have friends who are like, "Where's this video game coming?" And I was like, yeah, let, "Let's start with three, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then we'll go from there." But you know, we were definitely very, very excited. I missed my migraine and your swollen mouth of sad, sad dentist appointment. I felt so horrible. Yeah. But, like, that was an elated news. Everyone, I think fans around the world were really happy because, like you, did not see Pacific Rim 2 coming. We were hopeful. But usually with movies like that, sequels are usually announced immediately after. Yeah. Or even before the movie came out. Mm-hmm. You all, They're like, oh, by the way, we're already working on the sequel. You're like, what? The movie doesn't come out till next week. Mm-hmm. But it's the confidence of knowing that it would do that well or already seeing the numbers doing that well. Yeah. We already know Transformers 5 is coming. Mm-hmm. It's just there's there's no way it's not coming. We've seen this weekend. We know what happens even if it the story is special. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, with movies like that, we know. And with Godzilla, we know a new one's coming. We know, we know certain things. But with Pacific Rim, it was one of those... To be honest, a lot of my friends actually lost hope mm-hmm. and or forgot about it. So when they found out last week, they freaked out. 
<laughs> so, you know, it was, they were so excited. Followed by the news that Sherlock will not return to Christmas of 2015. Ooh. But, mm-hmm. um, right? But, you know, coupled with that, they were still very, very excited. Yeah, and then, you know, and of course now Community is now on Yahoo. But still, so my <laughs> friends are like, oh, this is the weekend of, like, amazing things. But we understand with a movie, 2017 is more realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but with other things like, you know, Community and Sherlock, they were a little bit more disappointed because we kind of expected more. Granted, some of those actors are very busy schedules. Yeah. But with Pacific Rim, they were like, 2017 isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can wait till 2017 movie makeup magic i'm sure you know rinko and you know charlie hunnam's character will look just as young mm-hmm. and so you know so they were they were very excited and i don't think you know everybody is just trying to guess what i mean we know what the graphic novel is it's going to be a continuation of the graphic novel yeah. but people are trying to guess more of the storylines with um the sequel, mm-hmm. but also with the animated series, because I think the animated series is definitely what came out of left field yeah. for most people. Oh man, I can't wait! I can't wait! Oh man, but yeah, it, yeah it, again, it was just like literally, like you know, it was uh, the heavens had opened up and shined down for a brief moment. It's like everything's gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be just great. So I mean, it's gonna be. Actually, said June seventeenth. Uh, no, it's gonna be. Eight, it'll be like a year later we get the next Godzilla movie at, at the earliest. But we do. It is a. It is a great time to be a giant monster fan right now. So next year, we got. I mean, this year it's Godzilla's sixtieth. Next year's Gamera's fiftieth. So we'll probably see a ton of. We got a new Gamera movie coming out. We got all that. So twenty fifteen. So twenty sixteen. You know, hey, God only knows what we'll have by then. 2017 Pacific Rim 2, hopefully 2018 we'll be seeing Godzilla 2 by then. So just the next couple of years, the the community is it like it's we're 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 seeing like the last bit like it's like Fred Flintstone when he gets or Scooby Doo when he gets up to run and the legs are running in place, they're just now hitting the ground and we're about ready to take off to something really big. I I just feel it. Right, right. No, and I'm very excited because I do, I do believe that currently the tail end of, despite Warner Brothers and DC's ambitious rumored schedule, and you know, Phase Three of Marvel, um, and indie comics, I do think that comic book movies or superhero movies may be winding down until a later time, maybe like a decade or two later. Oh, so next- I don't see that happening anytime soon. They're going to drive. It's going to. Those will get driven into the ground before they stop. Like, people have to people have to become sick of it. Which, I argue the fact that the comic book movie is like the new new genre, if you will. Like, there's horror, sci-fi, action. Comic book. It's, it's now a genre in its own right. When I argue, it's like, well, people complain there's so many superhero films. It's like, well, then how many horror movies can you have a year? How many rom-coms can you have a year? I mean, do we just, just all agree that we have four of each come out a year and then that's all we want? That's it? So... I would argue that, you know, you can keep telling tales of anything you want. It's a matter of what you're willing to go pay to see. If people... It's like, like, look, people bash and bash and bash on the Transformer movies. Admittedly, they are not 
great works of art. The last two movies, or the two movies before this current one, uh, part two was absolute garbage. Part three tried to make up for said garbage, but I, I was kind of bored by it. I love part one, though. Like, I saw it like five times in theaters. It's a it's a magical piece of, of spectacle. And I saw uh, Age of Extinction. And yes, it's very long, and it's got plot holes galore in it, but I don't know. There's a part of me that, like, the little kid aspect came back out, and I was, I, I fell in love with the series again. It's just like, it's big, dumb, and fun. It is definitely not the Transformers of my childhood. And the movie made tons of cash. People are still turning out for, it's, people love spectacle. So I think the right. fact that giant monsters are now becoming back to the mainstream, especially with now what we can see what we can do with modern day effects Hopefully we start getting we, we see more Hollywood giant monster films and you know I, it right. becomes a thing right yeah as you were saying it, but hopefully it you know it won't I doubt it's going to replace comic book movies it'll be something side by side with that strangely enough it's George Lucas and uh, and Steven Spielberg's prophecy of like Hollywood producing nothing but spectacle films might be coming true. And then anything with, like, you know, as people would say, like, you know, that's a little thoughtful, well, you know, it's all going to be on the indie scene. Ironically, right. the monster that they created, they can no longer control. Right. And I do think it's a new age for monster movies. And I think to go back to the superhero films, mm-hmm. I mean, I know they're going to drive this puppy to the ground. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that people, I mean, it's still going to make money, mm-hmm. but I already feel people's interests kind of some are still very into it yeah but i have some friends who are like i feel like superhero movies are coming out every quarter and i look forward to those but i look forward for all these other things yeah like other genre movies romantic comedies or comedies or drama or horror or you know movies like napoleon dynamite i don't know but i feel like sure they're still interested but a part of their tone of voice just sounds like they're slightly exasperated I think it's a blockbuster fatigue in general. I think this year, uh, there was a quote by John Favreau back in I think it was 2011, where he was looking. It's like God, ah, the summer of 2012. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's just everything's going to be on top. It wasn't so much the bloodbath that he was expecting to be, but I think his words are ringing true for a couple years later. This year, I think truly is where we're seeing the the industry cannibalize itself, like really stretching how much people are willing to really pay every week to see something. Now, I'm a single guy that I don't have too many responsibilities that I have to pay for, so I can afford to go to the movies once a week. I can draw 12 to 15 bucks a week to go watch a movie. That's It's not too much out of my pocket. But if you're a family of four and, you know, you're, a, you know, even a mid-range income family, that's you know, almost $100 to take your entire family to go to a damn movie. Even without freaking, you know, that's before, you know, popcorn and all this other shit. Especially if you go see, like, an IMAX 3D film, Family 4, 20, 40, 60, 80-something dollars already right there. Yeah. 80-something dollars. Yeah, I had friends, like, we spent $50, and by we, I meant them, Mm -hmm. but uh, they spent, like, $50 on, it was two tickets, it was, like, him and his girlfriend, Mm -hmm. popcorn, soda, and, like, something else. Yeah. And I was like, "Moly wollies, that's a, that's a lot of money." Yeah, well, it's well, it's like when I take I take my grandmother to the movies once a week. That's what she looks forward to. She every weekend, it's like, "Are we going to the movies?" I'm like, "Yes, there's we can go see this, this, or this." Like, okay, so you are a good grandson. Well, well, we also have we were lucky to have like two theaters locally. That one's a smaller like fourplex, so. 
Like, we go on Sunday mornings. They only charge, like, five bucks for a ticket. So that's, like, nothing. And uh, there's a bigger, like, Regency down the street that has, like, $5 Sundays, too. And they have everything on sale. And she likes that one because it's not a stadium seating, so she can, you know, just walk in and sit down. But uh, I like how you were like, I'm a good grandson, but I like to be frugal. Yes. That's why I'm a good grandson. I have, I have, no, I have no quarrels <laughs> with being a little frugal, okay? It's, it's, something, it's at least one thing my grandfather's installed in me. It's like, you don't have to. Right. I mean, he gets on me for the, what I've bought in the past because he's had to he's had to live with me for the last couple of years just seeing all this this stuff you know that i brought into the house and he just looks like do you need all this crap i'm like i, I don't it, i don't ask much out of life i just want my toys and my books that's all <laughs> it, it's it's something from my father like i get that from my father a lot my dad had a lot of the kind of stuff too but as i digress when we go to the movies though uh, my grandmother's like i i she's like you don't you don't ever pay for when we go. I pay for the ticket, but she likes popcorn and a drink. So I always tell her, I will get the popcorn and the drink. That's fine. The little theater has like a deal where they give you a free popcorn with a move with an ad from the local paper. We get we still get papers at this house. We get enough paper that by the end of the week our dumpster looks like a rainforest died in it. So I always I see now what the what the hippies are talking about. It's like we need to cut back on, on using paper I'm like yeah, yeah, I think we do. A little bit. I think we can all pop open our tablets now and just just read that way. But she gives me the cutout. I go up to the counter. I'm like, I would like this popcorn upgraded, so that's $4 for large. And then give me, like, two drinks, and it comes out to, like, 12 bucks all said and done. So it's nothing too too much out of my pocket. She pays $8, and then we go. But I'm I'm sitting there, and I watch families come in, and, you know, they're buying the large tub of popcorn for their five kids because they're bringing the neighbor's kids with them and stuff like that. And they're all getting ICs, which are $3 a pop. And I'm just like, wow, man, they're just... And as a guy who used to work for a movie theater, like I know the intricacies in and out and why everything costs so much. But with it steadily climbing and the fact that like now every single weekend there's something tempting children to like, we have to, we have got to go to the movies. Like, uh, like my buddy George, who runs the Realmcast, he took his uh, he took his oldest to go see uh, Transformers this weekend. He went uh, he went Saturday morning, and I got a text. I can't believe they they Michael Bay managed to make a movie worse than Part Two. I'm like, yeah, you're you're nuts. I went and saw it and I loved it. So when I came, I when I I was at his house earlier. Uh, his son comes up and says, like, did you see Transformers? And Mighty, he's nine years old, but he loves Transformers. I'm like, yeah, what did you think? He's like, oh my god, it was the greatest thing ever. Like, like he had seen Santa Claus, like, in person. That's what happened. <laughs> and he was going, like, he was having, like, like philosophical, like, conversations with me because he knows I can I can at least talk this stuff. He's just like, so what was what was up with, with the Dinobots? Why were that? I'm like, well they're supposed to be representing like the you know old knights of the Templar. It's like what's that? I'm like going this is like so like they were like guardians I'm like, yeah they're doing I'm like it, I'm blowing his mind. Like I'm opening up doors, like deeper doors within doors. And he's just like, oh man. So he's going I was like so Grimlock was like this and I'm like, yeah dude, but that that's just the movie one, man. There's the cartoon one you like and then there's the old one. It's like like he's like his eyes are rolling back and he's having a seizure because his mind can't process all the awesome like Dinobot action that he had saw so but as my buddy said he's just like dude we did it's like you and I go to the movies once a week 
then I take them. It's like, I don't mind it, I can afford it, but it's just like, every weekend there's something now. And we were looking at the uh, the box office charts, and, I mean, Spider-Man 2 came out, and then a week later, uh, that Neighbors came out, and Neighbors took a bite out of Spider-Man. And then a week after that was Godzilla. And Godzilla, you know, all these movies opened huge. Spider-Man opened huge. Godzilla opened huge. X-Men, a week later, opened huge. Um, and then to a point when, like, uh, Edge of Tomorrow came out, uh, the Tom Cruise movie, which turned mm-hmm. out to be an awesome film, by the way. Like, fantastically awesome. Uh, X-Men and Godzilla had just sucked the life out of that. Like, people were like, yeah, okay, we just saw s- so much destruction and stuff. Like, two weeks later, give us a week to recoup. Uh, you know, give us a little something. And, e- you know, each week, like, the week Godzilla did $90 million, and then a week later, it's, it dropped 60%. And people were like, wow, that's a big drop. It's like, yeah, because everyone went and saw it the first weekend, and now everyone's turning around and going to watch X-Men the next weekend. And it, these movies are, are eating each other's audience up. They're just they're they're cannibalizing each other. I mean that's the problem they're gonna have when uh when Batman v Superman, Donna just I, <laughs> I can't say that 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 movie's name. I can't. I need to say Batman Little Five. Yeah. But I mean, uh, yeah. When that one comes out, it comes out the same day as Captain America Three. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be real bad. Like, both of these films are going to eat each other alive, and they're going to do nowhere near what they're expecting. Like, one, like, each studio's like, I, I know they're not that stupid to think it's like, oh, one's going to do better than the other. It's like, yeah, that might happen, but, like, what could potentially be a, you know, 110, 112, like a Harry Potter, like, $160 million opening weekend might turn into, like, a $50 million opening weekend because everyone had to divide up what they were going to see. It's like, I can see Cat America tonight. I can see Batman tomorrow. I can do vice versa, but I can't. I'm not seeing both in the same day. You know, depending on you know how good they are, you know, if people are going to come back or not. So, I, I, you know, and they're because it'll be so crowded that weekend. They're also encouraging people to jump movies. And then yeah, and there's then no there's, way to account. I mean, unless obviously it's assigned seating. Yeah. But certain theaters don't have that. No, they don't. And some either you can't afford it mm-hmm. or whatever it is, whatever reason why people jump movies. There's no way to account for those that jump how much ticket money went into those sales because yeah. they technically saw it for free. Yeah. So I mean, it's really difficult. Be otters, yeah. So pretty much what we're saying is that, that yeah, it not giant monster fatigue, not anything fatigue, just maybe blockbuster fatigue in general. I think after next week is Planet of the Apes, and then there's really not a heck of a lot for a couple of weeks until Guardians of the Galaxy comes out. And then after that, it's like, then there's Ninja Turtles, and then there's Sin City, and then there's uh, there's something else in there, too, I'm forgetting. Hercules or something else comes out the weekend of Comic-Con. Yeah, I don't think Hercules is really going to do anything. I think Hercules will be the yeah, big... Yeah, I know what you... I think it's going to be the big bomb this year. Just the fact that it's just like, that movie has like, everyone's like, yeah, it's The Rock. But it's it's not The Rock and Fast and Furious or G.I. Joe, so we don't give, we don't give a crap. So yeah, but yeah, I mean, just it's it's murder, it's murder, and then September, then there's nothing, and then October, then you know the award movies start coming out, and then November and December, it's you know blockbuster after blockbuster get, and then the whole thing starts anew. So right, so right, it's a matter. So and I just realized we've been talking about this for forty minutes. So let's change let's change pace for for a second, Jessica. So the people are just like, okay, you've gone on enough about Pacific Rim. We're we're both excited for Pacific Rim. Take that away, right, Jessica? Yes. 
Yes. yes, we are. We can probably go on for another two hours about it, but we won't. We won't. We won't. Well, we, we I, I know. It, it, if you want to talk more about it, go to the Facebook page. I put a thing up of, you know, your thoughts for Pacific Rim. Go, uh, let's get converse there. Uh, as we said, G-Fest is coming up this upcoming week, the next weekend, July 10th. So if you're hearing, this will probably go up uh, before the 4th of July. So if you're listening to this, so 10th, 11th, and 12th. Actually, 11th, 12th, and 13th. So, next weekend. Uh, they do have a couple. I'm looking through the uh, schedule real quick. Uh, Friday morning, you want to head on out. If you're going to be out there, head on out. 12 p.m., Kaiju Gaiden. That's uh, our uh, buddy, uh, our buddy Mark. He, that's his panel. If you want to see the, uh, the the fantastic... with The the podcast you heard two podcasts ago where he was describing about... Uh, um, he was t- telling us the story of how he found uh, uh, Wolfman versus uh, Godzilla and some of the other gems that uh, he's going to be talking about when he comes back in. This would be the panel to to to, co- to go see because it'll be him showing, giving you a taste, just a taste of the wonderful, just magical, like Wonderland festivities that he has found. So be sure to go, you know, check him out there. Uh, if you see him, tell him that uh, we, you know. Good people at uh, the Kaiju Kingdom sent you. Just give them a hi, give them a handshake, and, uh, you know, say, hey, good luck. Um, I also uh, see that they have a couple of movies. They're going to be screening. It looks like uh, uh, that Kaiju uh, Riga. I think I'm saying it right. Yeah, it's uh, Riga versus Battleship Yamato. That's on Saturday. And then the follow-up... Um, Kaiju, the, the other Riga movie, or Rigo, I think, yeah. Rigo, I got the, right here, I'm looking at Rigo. That's on Sunday, and then, uh, oh, Zella Monster Martial Law, they're showing that too. That kind of wacky, hyperkinetic, you know, Kaiju movie we were talking about a couple weeks back, Jessica? Yes. yes. That's being aired there. And then there's a bunch of other wonderful stuff going on. So if you're at G-Fest, just take a lot of pictures. Jessica and I can't be there because... We can't go to Comic-Con, and uh, we can't afford both. <coughs> so, go there, celebrate in our in our stead. Real quick, uh, new Godzilla game, Jessica. Okay. Yes, you were telling me about it. I had seen information about it, mm-hmm. but I was able to follow up as much as I could. Um, I've been trying to get new glasses. It's a whole thing. Am I blind as a bat? Mm. I don't know. We'll see. So, and then there was like a migraine. So, instead of I, I'm reading as much as I can on the on my iPhone, but I'm also trying to keep off of it mm. just to release. But I did get to see the news on. Yes. And I think what was really interesting was not just the game itself because there've been Godzilla games before. Mm-hmm. This is Right, and I know that you're going to go into detail. It's the console. I realized, like, what it was available on. Yeah. And I was kind of like, is this the economical thing, or is it because they know more people? It's available on the PS3. Yeah, it's a PS3 exclusive, which is weird. Cause we were, but, well, because people were like, well, PS4 is out yet. Not everyone has a PS4 yeah, yet. PS4 is out, but I don't know. I mean, I don't have the... Well, maybe they know, you know, not enough people have been buying PS4, mm-hmm. and you want to expand the numbers of as many people who can buy Godzilla as possible. So, therefore, they're going to put it on a console that they know people have had time to get, 
and it's slightly older and that more people may have it. Mm -hmm. it so you don't wanna you don't wanna pull a, a Titan ball where it has to be on Xbox One. Yeah. And you got to go get an Xbox One to play Titanfall. Yeah, yeah. I don't own any Xboxes either. I'm a I'm a Sony man, but I'm a Nintendo man at heart. So, but yeah, no, it looks cool. It kind of looks like a um, like a remake of the Godzilla Generations game from uh, for Dreamcast from many years back. The only thing they've really shown so far, I mean, there's not too much known about, but they've shown you'll be playing both the legendary version, I think the 89 version of Godzilla. There's some city stomping, there's Mazer tanks. I know that the Kiru Mecha Godzilla shows up in there somewhere. So they've announced what other monsters, what exactly your actually your objectives for the game is, but I just know it's a new Godzilla game and it looks pretty cool. And it's just tentatively titled Godzilla the video game right now. So um, you know, it's got a, it's, I think it's a third quarter release in Japan, so hopefully it'll see, it'll see a stateside release, um, sometime next year, so hopefully, because there are still games out there that, you know, you can get them on the, uh, the old, uh, the old, uh, what is it, the, uh, emulator, you know, ways, but you could never buy them out here. Got some games that really sold well out here, Jessica, that's a damn shame. Although to be honest, yeah. to be honest, some of them weren't exactly the greatest things in the world, though. Speaking of which, <laughs> so uh, finally, because yeah, we I realized we were running way long on this show. Uh, real quick, uh, this week, uh, if you're in Japan, uh, the uh, NHK uh, Broadcasting Network, or the Japanese Broadcasting Corporation, will be airing two Godzilla documentaries. Um, one's called Godzilla's Counterattack, Who Are You? And they talk to a variable who's who of, uh, of the, uh, of the Godzilla universe. Pretty much everybody involved with the new Legendary movie, uh, directors from the past films, including Shisuke Kanako, Ryo Kitamura, uh, Masaki, uh, Tenzuku. Uh, I believe I'm butchering, butchering half these names. I know, I know. If you're yelling at me through the, through the headphone, through your headphones, I, Believe me, I know. I've said before, I butcher Japanese names like like I butcher American names too. So I already know. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a whole thing on you know just the 60th anniversary of Godzilla and just you know how he's impacted. It's um it's 90 minutes too. So hope I'm hope hoping that uh, someone a nice G fan out there happens to capture it and puts subtitles to it and throws it up online so that a certain other G fan may be able to see it. <clears throat> Not seeing any names, but his name is rhymes with Peyton, so <clears throat> and then after that there's a um there's a Godzilla um another documentary it's called Man Who Painted Monsters with Sound. It's uh, about Akira Kafube and uh, all of his uh all of his, all of his pretty much of the music that makes those movies. And we all know we, we all know those musics. And then uh after that they're gonna have a, a marathon of but about ten movies. Some of them are very interesting. The fact that they got, um, you know, uh, God Mecha Godzilla two, but they don't have the first Mecha Godzilla. But it is what it is. And I think finally, oh, before we go out, I wanted to give a uh, um, a warm congratulations to our winners of the uh, Godzilla Rulers of Earth giveaway. So, David Keel and Gary Johnson, congratulations. As of this recording, I still haven't got your books in the mail. 
But as you heard, I've been laid up and busy, so I do apologize, and they will be in the mail pretty soon. So congratulations, you guys. Uh, we have another contest coming pretty soon. I don't have the details on that yet, but it'll be in the next couple of weeks. Something exceptionally cool. I promise you that. That's at least what it'll be. So stick around for that. Anybody can enter, and you can enter as many times as you want. All right, Jessica. Um, we've talked in... in it, a long time, and it is actually quite late right now. <laughs> so, I think the, this is where we should uh, wrap it up for the evening. So, why don't you tell the good people where you, they can find more of our work? Well, more of our work, actually, you can go straight to our Facebook, mm-hmm. which is a Facebook fan page of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Mm-hmm. We are all Tumblr on the Kaiju Kingdom podcast.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. Also on Twitter as uh, the Kaiju Kingdom mm-hmm. because due to the number of characters, we just can't stick in the word podcast yeah. at the end. Um, and however, for those who somehow you want to privately harass us or be our friends and send us loving notes, you can go to the Kaiju Kingdom podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. and you can eat and we will answer your questions and or your rant. And you can start you can start questioning and or picking fights with me and Chris. <laughs> I will, we welcome it all. We do welcome it all. And then uh, Jessica, where they can find more of your work. You know, actually, you can find me on Facebook as Jessica the Comic Book Girl. The Comic Book Girl is all one word. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, that takes place of my last name. Uh, please Facebook inbox me and let me know you know where we've met or where you've heard me. In this case, you were listening to me talk here. Um, just because, you know, I want to make sure there's a connection. I, I meet only this many people a month, and I'm always afraid I'm going to miss out on people. Like, I don't want to forget that we've met. Mm-hmm. Or at least heard me and be like, she doesn't sound like a psycho. I would love to be friends. And so, you know, please inbox me and then send me a message and I would be more than happy to accept your Facebook friend request. Um, also, you can find me on Girl on Geek and thecomicbookgirl.com and those will lead to all of my other social sites. So those would be good places to find me. And you can always find me over at therealmcast.com where I run a couple of podcasts over there. Uh, right now, running the... Uh, Take two with my good buddy George, um, where we've talked about all the news in the week. And uh, I have a brand new one starting for the summer. It's called The Rundown Legend of Korra. So if you like Avatar and Legend of Korra, uh, my buddy uh, Sergio and I will be dissecting Korra weekly until the season's over. So give a, give that a, a, a nice listen to if you want. And uh, as always, you know, you can always head over to panzercrush.com and download this show. Um, yeah, and uh, that will do it for us for this week. So, for myself and Jessica, thanks for listening. Have fun at G Fest, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>